0: Hey, welcome back to Music Talk from the North State. I'm Paul Young, and we're coming to you from the Madison Bear Garden, we call it the Bear, over here in Northern California, in Chico, California to be specific. And today I wanna talk to you about a cultural shift something that's happened that's coming off of the pandemic and going into the post-pandemic world and how things have really changed for musicians, professional musicians that are existing and who are coming next and some of the things that we might wanna focus on. One of the things I really wanna to talk to you guys about today is the authentic experience that happens between an audience and the performer or the musician and that can exist both in the live space and and the digital space. From a North State perspective, from a regional perspective and beyond, how do we connect with our audiences with how things have changed here? And it's about relationships and digital relationships that apply to our live relationships and just connecting with people. My guest today, Chris Tavolazi, he's an Instagrammer. He's also on TikTok and those kinds of things. He's a musician from our area. And uh, he's made some of those shifts, uh, thinking from a region and beyond, and have some successes in those areas. Hey, Chris is also a fellow musician, as I was m- mentioning earlier. I think we all come from that place of we're playing live and we're wanting to connect with people. We're making music because it's meaningful to us and it's meaningful to other people, and we want that connection. And all of a sudden, everything gets rocked. Mm-hmm. And you're one of the folks that I first, one of the first folks I met in this area that really said, okay, what do I do about it? Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were really talking about it, that's some of the things that you started bringing up to me, was how you went about that. That's
1: right. So tell me a bit about your music background and then what that shift was like for you. I started playing music when I was a little kid. Um, I started singing piano, guitar. My parents gave me lessons uh, and then eventually got me you know, professional lessons from from people in town. I'm from Reading originally, mm-hmm. so I used to do open mics in Reading, just like little coffee shops and, and little bars and things like that. Nothing really crazy. In Reading, it's very spread out. You know, you have to drive 20, 30 minutes to get to a show here. Right. You can just put your guitar on and walk down the street. Right. And the Chico music community is so different than the Reading music community. There are so many more players here, it's so tight. It's, so collaborative.
0: it's a little smaller of a town in, in these smaller kind of regions things. And in Sacramento, when I was growing up, it felt like everybody was disconnected. It was a really big city, but it, the, the cultural spots were so spread out in a lot of ways you felt spread from each other. And then you get to Los Angeles, where I was, and then you have to really brave traffic, and there is this level of competition on the high level, which pushes all of us musicians into, you need to be excellent at your craft, and then some together with relationships before you even get to the gig. It's a whole nother thing when you're in Chico yeah, and there's, a, there's kind of a family dynamic and your community actually shows up for you and those kinds of things. So I'm glad you got that experience too. Yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, so you came up with
1: that and you came, you came through Chico State as well, here at the university life. That's true, I, I, uh, I went to Chico State, I have a degree in journalism. It was a wonderful experience, honestly, going to Chico State. For me, it was, it was a little bit of a, a culture shock, just coming from you know, small town Reading to small town Chico, yeah. t- two different small towns. Yeah, like you were just describing, you know, like it's a much more community feel here. Right, people are more interested in all different types of events, and I've I've always described Chico as kind of an incubator. You know, you can really start something here with. You just said in Sacramento, you have to have a lot of professionalism and a lot of experience before well, people even Los let in the door. Even more, people were sure. spread in
0: both places. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. Here, you really don't have that barrier to entry. Yeah, you, can, you can experiment a lot more with your identity, not just as an artist, but also as a person. Right. And it's and in the culture, and it's accepted from the community and your audience and everything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. So I, that's what I, I definitely experienced that when I came here to Chico State. Really expanded my horizons as a person, Right, and then also as a musician and as an artist too. So in 2020, when the, when the quarantine hit, I was doing Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, with Chico Theatre Company. And okay. I was playing the lead role, and we had just practiced and rehearsed for three months mm-hmm. before this opening weekend. And opening weekend happened, we were sold out, and then that very next Monday was the first day of right. quarantine. Yeah, We got one weekend of performing, and then we were, we were just totally shut down. After all that work to get set up with next kinds of things, yep. right? Yep. So I, I was so disheartened. I was so really down in the dumps. We all were. Yeah. yeah. Who wasn't? Yeah, right. I, I, had, I spent a lot of time inside, a lot of time on my phone, a lot of time just consuming content. And right. eventually, I hit this transition point, I don't know, maybe two or three months into it where I went, you know what, I, I think maybe I can do this too. You know, It, it, it doesn't seem like people are putting a lot, of, a lot of shine on who they are and what they do online. I mean, obviously, a lot of people do. But for the most part, I was seeing content that looked really genuine and really authentic. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna throw my shot. I'm gonna put my little iron in the fire yeah. and see where it goes. Right. Uh, originally, it was just a form of creative expression. And what kind of things did you do? What was the first few videos, or wh- and where did you do it? <laughs> I started really on Instagram. Yeah. That, that was okay. the first platform that I started really sharing myself on. And originally, it was just friends and family. Right. Um, and I was, I was just trying to document my life and be a part of the conversation. I was really shy with what I shared online. At the beginning, I was just trying to share this idealized image of myself, right? right. We, we all kind of go through this process as creators where the first thing you put out there is what you've seen other people do that you want to embody. I think most
0: people do that. Yeah. You know, that's Absolutely. part of the social media depression that sometimes people talk about is because everybody's trying to show their best selves. Exactly. They're not showing their authentic selves, the true no. selves. You, right. you, you don't feel like you have permission to show your true self, it's why like, would anyone want to listen to me? What do, what do I have to say? Right, and we see magazines, we see TV shows, we see polished kind of content, and we always think that there's this model of something that we're supposed to
1: keep up with if we're going to have any attention to us. So I was, I was working for Yerba Mate as a delivery driver, and so everywhere that I would go, I would just take little videos of what I was doing. I would take a video of the sunset, you know, or, or me delivering a hundred cases, or you know, just little things right. like that. It was just about right. my life. life. And I noticed that people started to respond to the videos where I was happy about doing my job more than they responded to any of my other videos. The ones where you had to show something, you felt you had to prove something. Exactly, I had to like, f- practice or rehearse or like, really get this, like, this very, polished, a very polished package in one video. When I just threw something up there that was you know, something I was thinking and feeling in the moment, it took maybe five to 10 seconds to record it, right. those were the videos that really connected with people. And a little light bulb went off in my head where I went, huh? I wonder how far I can take that, like if people are really looking for authentic connection and community in the middle of all of this turmoil and uncertainty, then can I be part of that connection and that community? Can I create it for myself? That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for.
0: I get it. And for the friends of mine that are watching this video right now that are musicians that are professional musicians that I've known for years and those kinds of things, that probably sounds. Relatable yet as foreign as could be. Mm-hmm. It's because we're used to thinking that we have to polish our performances right to this extent of being excellent at what we do, or we're not going to get hired competitively, right. kind of thing. And yet, Absolutely. that's not necessarily how people are going to respond to your social media or you actually connecting with people when you're up front. That's right, that's yeah. totally right. So, you were doing this through Instagram first, and that's the platform where your friends and your family were, but then TikTok is coming along and you mentioned to me that you went that direction, which seems like a completely different platform and
1: method to go about how you connect with people. It's a totally different world. I started to research Instagram growth strategies because a friend of mine made an Instagram account for just enamel pins, just lapel pins. Yeah, just little lapel pins, right? Okay. He grew it to about 70,000 followers in about a year and a half.
0: For over pens?
1: Yeah, just like little, little shiny little yeah. lapel pins. Okay. And it became his full time job. He was paying somebody a dollar a package to ship these pins that he was selling. Yeah. And he was paying this guy about $100 a day. And each of the pins was selling for at least $8. So that just okay. showed me that there's this. so much potential that I was completely unaware of. When you connect with people. Right, exactly. Because otherwise, $8 for a pen, and what are we doing? Why would I buy that? I don't care. Right, yeah, right. But he built this community around it. He built this culture around his particular. uh, His his pins were really associated with a movement, they were associated with more of the anarchist cause. Okay. And because of that, people were supporting him and what he was doing. Right there was a relationship was there where the pen was the payoff in a lot of ways or the testament right. like the merch that you would buy at a show after yeah. you see a really great performer Right. so i wanted to experiment with that and see if it was something that first off that i even wanted to do but then also something that was possible for me and so i started trying to do the same thing. I started trying to sell enamel pens, which flopped right on its face because I don't have a passion for it. And
0: you want to go after the pens thinking the pen was the thing? Yeah, Exactly. At the moment? I'm right. like, this is it. I have solved all of my problems. Right. This is the answer. <laughs> right. Well, I grew up, I, I, it was records, and actually people did buy the record because it was the product. And then CDs kind of felt like the product. Then they became the merch in a lot of ways to thank you for the show. Yeah. And I remember a moment when it was around 2017, 2018, the first time I saw Greta Van Fleet, and I bought my sh- first shirt for a long time for 30 bucks as a thank you for that experience in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it was almost the merch of remembering the experience. And I'm part of this tribe. you know, I'm part of this movement, or I believe in what this person, yeah. this
1: figurehead is saying about the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Like we're part of something. Exactly. All of that that you just described right there, you, you really tied it up in a nutshell. Like that is, that is the Lessons that I learned but it took me six months or more to learn those lessons so I was trying to really copy and replicate a lot of what I was seeing on the internet and so I just threw spaghetti at the wall yeah I just completely total stream of consciousness anything that came into my head I would throw the video up there just to see what would happen and then I started doing polls actually on my Instagram stories to say like you know you guys have done I've done this type of content I've done this type of content what do you guys want to see what people forget about social media all the time is that it's not about the breadth of your reach, it's about the depth. You're having a one-on-one conversation right. with every person that watches your video. Right. It's not a group of people watching your performance all at once, it's not an audience. People call it an audience, they call right. it you know, your, your network. It is, in a sense, but it's also really just that one-to-one conversation. It makes the people very faceless and not
0: real and if you start thinking yes. of them as an audience instead of realizing that you're talking to one person at a time. Right.
1: That this matters to them or it doesn't. So my my stories on Instagram now get viewed by anywhere between 250 to 500 people every time I post, and that just depends on the algorithm, the time of day. Uh, I notice that certain days it dips and certain days it does really well. Right. Um, but that's about the that's about the the, the group of people that watch my stories. And I was formally thinking about that as like, okay, cool. I can reach 500 people at once. But that's not the way it is. It's 500 people over the course of 24 hours, and each one of those 500 people is interacting with me just like we're interacting yeah, right now. Right. Right. Instead, it's a one way conversation and not right. a two way conversation. So, what
0: kind of, comfort, what kind of content mattered? I know you said authentic, and it matters that you feel like they feel like they're actually talking with you or they're actually seeing you live through life and they can connect with it and they can identify with it. Exactly. What, where does that
1: translate to our music or entertainment and those kinds of things and how it grew for you? Totally. So, I started just performing my own songs on Instagram. Um, as more than anything a way to build confidence. Right. Yeah. yeah, I started just sharing little things that I was working on and I would, I would write the song then immediately go to shoot a video as soon as the song was produced close enough yeah. to being able to be consumed. I would, I would create something in a day with the intention of making a video about it. So I would take like a three hour block and go, I'm going to write a song and I'm going to post a video of this song today. I love that.
0: Actually, as, a, as someone who teaches songwriting over at Chico State and talking about content and so I love that you go, I'm
1: going to do this, I'm going to put this deadline on, and I'm going to make this content and I'm going to put that out. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was really the, the the thing that taught me the most was the putting those videos out there in a, in a consistent way allowed me to kind of detach from the outcome of how those videos did. Mm-hmm. What I notice a lot of people do is they'll make one video or two videos and they'll go, eh. Well, it didn't really do very well, so I'm going to stop doing that. But what I learned is that you have to be consistent with it. It's just like real life, where if you keep showing up to gigs and you keep doing it, you'll get better and you'll grow more of an audience. You'll, you'll get more people that, that connect with what you and do. And
0: relationships. If you only show up to my gig one or two times, whether you're in my audience or you want to go hang with me and jam and those kinds of things, exactly. if you show up one or two times, you can get out of my consciousness. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So that that was what I learned through this progression. But the progression on Instagram really kind of slowed down as TikTok ramped up. So, I noticed that the videos that I was posting on Instagram were for the most part getting seen by the same people, which yeah. is great. That's awesome. Yeah. But I felt like I was not really giving them anything new or interesting or novel.
0: Mm-hmm. I was
1: just kind of doing more of the same thing for me and for them too.
0: Right.
1: It was really fun. Uh, to, to experiment and to expand as an artist. And then eventually I got my profile to a spot where I was satisfied with how it looked to someone that had never seen me before. And that was where I really realized that Instagram, as we use it now, is a public persona. It is your public profile that shows people who you are and what you do. That's how people use it. They're like, who is this person? I'm gonna check out their Instagram. Right. Uh, it's like an right. online resume of your content, of, of you as a person. So when I realized that Instagram wasn't really gonna work as a discovery app or as a discovery engine right. for me and yep. for for my artistry. I moved away from that and started getting more involved in TikTok.
0: TikTok is a much more short form kind of a thing. So Yes. You probably are still borrowing some of that earlier part of things where you're going, I'm just going to have some stream of consciousness, but there's got to be a set of stream of releases that you're making at that point. That's right. Yeah. Reckless abandon style to some extent for some of it, <laughs> yeah. but still believing <laughs> that if they, you
1: know, people will like me or they won't, yeah. you know, right? Exactly. I learned to, how to use Instagram for promotional purposes, for for nurturing the group of people that have already connected with me that are close, Right. right. but then for discovery purposes, for, for just figuring out who I am as a person, Instagram really wasn't working the way that I wanted it to. Yeah.
0: there's a certain part of teasing the algorithm, but it also is like it's an echo chamber in a lot of ways. 100%. Yeah. And each one of these platforms can be in their own way an echo chamber. They're trying to profile us to figure
1: out where we fit in a slot, you know? But the Instagram and Facebook algorithms are really set up more for creating echo chambers because they have created this, this system that shows you more of what you've already done liked or interacted with in the past, right. whereas TikTok is more of a predictive system. They say, oh, you've liked this stuff over here. You'll probably like this. Right. And so it pushes out more new content, more new people, more stuff that you haven't seen before. Right. And I think that a lot of times my students also don't necessarily get this.
0: Those that are watching this and thinking about which platform do I need, they're comfortable with Instagram, they know Instagram, but they might presume that it's gonna do something it's not. It's ever since Facebook, and the early parts of it, what that was was a social network of your friends. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily to introduce you to the masses. Right, exactly. a- and especially if you're trying to think that you're gonna use it as if you're trying to do TV ads and those kinds of things. TikTok does give us a bit of more of a discovery direction, as long as you really are compelling
1: in a bite-sized way. Yes, that's right. So when I make videos, there is something that I have learned uh, really works very well on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, the short form videos, the really successful ones seem to follow a particular formula. And I kind of replicated that in my own. You start with a hook, whatever it is that you're talking about in the video, you start with the hook, you immediately deliver on that hook, then you expand on whatever it was that you were just talking about. And the very last thing you want to do is do a call to action. Okay. So you start with the hook, whatever that is, let's say it's about a mug. Like, this is the best mug in the entire world. You follow it up by saying, these are the reasons why it is the best mug in the entire world. Right. Also, it's made of these things, and it comes from this place, and here's the history. And yeah. then the very last thing you would say is, now go buy this mug. Yeah, right, right. If I'm selling the mug. Exactly. I so I was doing none of those things when I first started on TikTok. Right. None of it at all. I was just posting videos of my cat. Uh, of my car, new things that I was, traveled, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, because I didn't really understand how people use TikTok. I thought people use TikTok the same way they use Instagram. Right. So I was just throwing stuff up there. Most of my videos at the very beginning got maybe 200 views. Right. Um, which, as I've learned, is actually how TikTok teases out your views to groups of people. They'll send it to about 200 people that either already follow you or have liked similar content to you in the past, and then it right. continues to go from there. If the 200 people, Watch your video, and then they're and watching like probably their, their talk. Their, is it, it? Do they follow
0: it? Do they want the watch time? Do they have all a of skip of exactly. their exactly?
1: Which is similar across many of these platforms: watch time, skip rate, yeah. those kinds of things. I had no idea. I had no right. concept of that. Right. I was still just like throwing up stories of things that I was doing in my life. Right. But then I started to consume more and more content on TikTok uh, because we're all in quarantine and we really didn't have that much going on. I was just sitting watching stuff on my phone for an embarrassing amount of time, I'm going to say probably like five to six hours a day, which if you think about things now, where everything's back open again, that seems like a lot of time to spend on a social media platform. Yeah,
0: I bet most people watching this are saying that's not unusual to me. <laughs> when I was stuck at home,
1: what was I gonna do? Yeah. My hands were cramping from how long I was holding my phone. In a lot of ways, that's
0: that need that we needed for uh, relationships that was just playing itself out. Yeah, exactly. And so we couldn't do that live where we've really felt fulfilled by talking to a person or being in a place and all those kinds of things.
1: So we start looking for answers and people and connections and those kinds of things to the digital space. Okay. I think most people also had a similar experience to what I had with the way that that what I was being shown changed right a lot of us kind of went through this I don't know dark soul of the night when all that stuff was going on where our old identity and our old way of life was gone and none of us had any idea when and how it was going to come back right then all of us started to dive more into new things that we hadn't really had the time to, to to play with before for me it was TikTok and social media and I noticed that the videos that I started to get at the beginning were, you know, the, the regular TikTok dancing themed videos. But then eventually it started to get more specialized. And I was being shown a lot of mental health content and a lot of music. And those things seem very dissimilar. But when you, they're all in the same place, all on the same screen, one after another, it all starts to blend together. Music is a social experience and it's an emotional experience. Why do we even go to it? You know, yes. we're
0: going there for an emotional feel, feed that we are feeding our soul and our, our mental state, you know? All right, so as we start talking about uh, moving to TikTok and how your content starts to change, uh, I think there's something that doesn't change that you're really talking about, which was you were connecting with people. And yes. when it starts to really matter uh, for them as a one-on-one conversation, it really doesn't matter what the platform is to some extent. You, th- only five or to ten percent of the time should you really be thinking about that. I have an agenda around this. Otherwise, you still have to be connecting with
1: people. Absolutely, 100%. If you're if you're putting yourself out there and saying, "Hey, this is what I want. Please do this for me. Yeah. Hey, listen to my music. Hey, right. stream my songs. Right. Nobody cares. Right? They're not going to do it. But if you're giving them something in that video that is different than what everybody else is doing, if you're creating a trend or if you're following some sort of pattern that's leading up to something, like I said, like with the, with the campaign, they're promoting, if you're doing something like that, people will pay a little bit more attention than they would otherwise because you stand out from the crowd.
0: Right. And you were talking about things that are coming from music and mental health were getting fed to you. Yes. And I have to imagine that starts to affect you and going like, they're feeding me this. And that means that that's actually where my audience and what my
1: content and what I might connect with other people is about. Right. So the the, the stuff that I was making, TikTok takes all of that into account, what you're creating, uh, also what you're consuming, and it packages all that together into your unique algorithm. Yeah. So I had a lot of free time on my hands. Okay. And I filled that free time by consuming different videos on TikTok, but also creating uh, as as much as possible. I kind of reverse engineered what I wanted to do based on a lifestyle perspective. Like, what do I actually have access to on a day-to-day basis? What do I feel like I can share with people that is valuable for them? But then also, what do I want to do that's fun for me? Making something that was really produced that took a lot of time and effort, like a skit or a song seemed like it would be really fun, but also seemed like it wasn't gonna be sustainable. I tried a few of those videos, they didn't really go well. As I continued to make more videos, I noticed that more and more influencers, more and more professionals came in to my my page talking about what they do and how they do it. And I learned some principles that really changed what I was doing permanently, like it really influenced what I do now, like that four part thing, I learned that from an influencer. But then I also learned kind of like more of how the algorithm itself ranks your content. Somebody said that Instagram monitors three things about your videos. So does TikTok, all of the platforms do this, but they monitor three things about your your videos, whether or not you watched it all the way through to the end, whether you clicked through to somebody else's videos, to their profile, and then how many of those videos on their profile do you watch and do you watch them through all the way to the end? So what that does is that tells... It's high engagement. It's, it tells, it's engaging. It says that yeah. your content is high value and people really right. like it. So I tried to achieve that. I was like, what am I gonna do that's gonna help me rank in the algorithm and actually build a following? And what that ended up being was my own mental health. It, I was just talking about Things that I learned in therapy that were helping me as a person. Sharing myself really vulnerably like that to strangers on the internet was intimidating and daunting. Totally. But I was completely alone. I didn't have really group of people that I could share those things with because we're all in quarantine. When
0: I meet a lot of musicians, a lot of times there's a disconnect between their own mental health, which will be, I'm insecure, I'm not there yet, I wanna know more, I I know I should be better, I know there's a high competition out there, I also really love music, I'm really passionate about this and I don't wanna go to work for a job that's gonna pay me to bag that thing or put that thing in a box or have to go over there and, and I feel like I'm inauthentic or I'm just deadened inside yet the two, they don't recognize that the two can heal the way that it sounds like you've come to a full circle part of recognizing that they do come together, actually do feed something that it matters to an audience. That later becomes whether or not people will continue to watch you. And 100%. the click rate and the things that you're talking about then when we start talking about
1: algorithms, they're not, it's not different disciplines in a lot of ways. No, it's, it's not. It's just like you said at the beginning, who do you connect with when you're watching a performance? Do you connect with right. the person who is really trying to be something? or do you connect with the person who is something authentically? Whatever that is, whatever they are.
0: There could be a few, but I think most people don't connect with, I'm going to put on all the makeup or I'm going to do that dance move, or, and, you know, that kind of thing. Or they don't right. recognize they're you the ones that are going to... Yeah, you can see the haircut, you can see the, the moves, you can see the... And there's only so many that should pull that off, and it's sensationalism in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's not where we start for most of us. There is
1: a huge cultural shift that has happened in the last four years. And it really, for, in my experience, it is the last four four years. It's been very quick. But it's as Gen Z has come up and started to join the workforce, be a part of the conversation. They are setting the tone, just like all young people do for music and culture. Young right. people consume music and the music industry is trying to gain we're always chasing. those eyes. It's They're always, always chasing.
0: chasing. If people think that we're manufacturing in the music business, no we're not, we're chasing. Chasing, 100% yeah. Where do chasing. people? Where's, the, where's their attention? What's their interest? You know.
1: And the got? attention that they have, the the the, the community that they have is very much based in authenticity and genuineness, being who you really are. People want to see people put themselves out there on the internet in genuine and authentic ways. Right. So I, like I said, I started, I started really doing that and like really doing that. Like I am struggling with this thing. It is very hard. And what I noticed was that those videos not only got the most engagement, but also got the most comments, the most, most community from it. People would, right. would slide into my DMs and say, hey, I struggle with this too. Thank you so right. much for saying that. Right. That really helped me. Like I made one video that was talking about your, your self-talk, you know, how, how you communicate on a daily basis with yourself and saying what you're saying to yourself really matters. Would you say the same thing that you're saying to yourself to a five-year-old version of you? Would you look a five-year-old kid in the face and say what you're saying about yourself to them? I
0: think the thing that gets in a lot of the folks' way that um, that I've seen coming up myself and my colleagues and those kinds of things that I'm saying when well, we're not done, we're not the celebrity and we're not necessarily feeling like we're established where we need to be, is would you say the same thing to the person sitting next to you or sitting next to you or the yes. one that has to also keep a professional? Would you be scared to tell them those kinds of things? Or would you actually take a risk to do that? You know, only five to 10% of the stuff that we do though should probably end up our final product that we're trying to actually get something out of, right? Because the rest of the time it seems like that's the content that we really need to share yes. is the fact that we're going through that that's actually going to connect with people and it's so counterintuitive to most folks if they're coming up on SoundCloud or an instrument or they're in a band and they think that they need to make the video or i've got to make this perfect recording and it's got to have a mix that i'm not qualified for and i now i have to watch 50 videos on the technical aspects of it and someone else is going to be able to rip it apart or am i being too cool for it or i'm just going to shy away from even saying anything about it or i'm just going to release it that they spend so much time trying to think it's going to be about the content and the presentation rather than the process and i think a lot of folks um that I've come through the world that I've come through as an instrumentalist. Saw folks like uh, Maria Schneider, who is a composer who started making the making of videos 20 years ago. And making those things available for the fans and those kinds. Of so yeah. I'm talking about as a trombone player, you know, being an instrumentalist. I watch Church saying, "This is how I make my videos. This is what it goes into. It. This is my scores. This is my music. This is what I go through. Yeah. Here's the people walking in, and it's not just doctored as though we're making a real kind of thing. Yeah. As much as this is actually our process,
1: and that was much more fascinating for most of us. Right. It's so much, It's so interesting to watch how really good people do what they do, but it's also still interesting to watch how people who are on the come up are growing and expanding. You don't have to be this perfect thing in order to participate in the conversation. And that's really what I learned through these experiences. The more I shared myself, the more I found people that connected with what I was sharing. That, that seems to be pretty much everybody's experience once they, once they reach a certain level of traction on any of these platforms. Right. All of a sudden they're like, wow, you're telling me I can really be myself And that's okay we're looking to connect with other people
0: and see ourselves in them or see a process and identify with them and that's the process of
1: sharing yourself when you're coming up so that we get to that point i I noticed that that was really what was happening on my instagram when i was first experimenting like i said i I was working for yerba mate and i was sharing what i was doing in my day-to-day that's what people were doing they were connecting with the authenticity of me just really being present in those moments.
0: All right, of the conversations we're having uh, and we're talking about algorithms and how we connect with people, you brought up Instagram and TikTok and a lot of our relationships get built there. The music industry as I've come from that moved from records to CDs to streams and so forth is really focused at this point on Spotify, mm-hmm. which has its own algorithms and things that you were talking about that we were talking about, like watch time and the skip rate and all those kinds right, of things. Right. It's being watched on Spotify in a big way. Absolutely. And that's where I think the largest dollars for the music industry is coming from. Maybe not necessarily for the independent because we need a lot of plays between those advertising and subscriber plays to really turn into a lot of you know, dollars it's off it's of that. Yeah, it takes a lot of plays for that. But still, that's where I think a lot of our eyes from our industry are are looking, is did you show up on this playlist? How far did you go up that playlist? And then did you jump from that playlist to this one, that one, and that one? And that's sort of the data-driven evidence of whether or not someone is trending in a way, and then they want to put their brand sponsorships into it. Do they want to sign them? If they're talking about label kinds of things, do I want to manage someone? I want to see that they're trending there. I think there's a big parallel in a lot of what you're saying that then translates to that next level game for us as musicians. And if we think that we're just starting there and that's the only place, no, we're missing our relationships in a lot of ways. But that's where the music separate from the person
1: kind of gets its proving ground. Yeah. I mean we as a as a musician, I look at how many followers and, and streams people have on Spotify as a way to gauge somebody's level of success. Like that is, right. it just is what we do. And it's the most important app I think on most young
0: people's phones. And I kind of think from the music industry's perspective. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more eyes on the product than YouTube. There's a lot of activity on TikTok. Instagram's where, I've, where a relationship goes with the people that we have, a lot yeah. of ways I think you're getting. But Spotify is where our dollars come from. Yes. And so those, those metrics, those data analytics really matter when it comes to what we've already made and is it translating and does it work with a culture of music that fits this playlist and that playlist and so forth. Yes. And between the human curators of Spotify to the algorithms that create a lot of our playlists, that's uh, i think a place that once we get a recorded
1: music right we know is the next level for us i i have a friend who owns his own record studio and he actually went through this process of trying to get his artists placed in different playlists on spotify right And what you're describing really uh, reflects his experience. He was was talking to me about all these things that he was doing like emailing, cold emailing all these different companies and saying, please put my people on your playlist and people rejecting and no, they don't have enough listeners, we don't care. So he's like, oh God, how do I get them more listeners? How do I get them more followers so that they'll even be considered? It's catch 22 feeling of it. In my experience, it comes from that community. It it comes from building that relationship with people. I've seen like uh, Tessa Violet is actually a really good example of that. And I, I don't expect anybody to know who she is. But she's big on TikTok because she creates different videos that people use either as sounds or as transitions or things that they can stitch. She just creates things that people can use to make more content. Right. She does that so that people will find her music. So she's right. using the social side, the community side of these platforms as a way to be discovered without having that ask. So when I said the, right. you know, that four part method right. that I use, the hook, the delivery, the expansion, and then the call to action, right. she does that. Her hook is this video is going to be really entertaining right. right off the bat. Here you go. Her expansion or on that is, is here is just how entertaining it's going to be. Here's how you can use it. And then at the end, her call to action is go to this sound and check out my music. Right. She does a lot of that without even asking, without even saying. Right do this. People just kind of know, you know, they've used the platform, they've interacted with their videos, they kind of know what the gig is. But she grew from, I don't I don't know how much she was when she started, but now she's she's very successful on the platform. There are a lot of people that know who she is because she used the social side of these platforms right. to build that network. And
0: it is hard to do the call to action, the part that you put of the four-part process, and there are some kinds of widgets that you can add to those kinds of things, but it's not really the place necessarily for the call to action part of it. No. It's the proof in a lot of ways, whereas the music that's our experience as a music kind of a thing but it still comes back to those relationships and whether you're building them before you could ever go I've got a ticket I've got a show I've got a shirt I've got a thing that I want from you so that I can continue to make my living rather than looking at no it was the product and I just watch and hope everybody gets it you know (laughs)
1: it's, it's the same as real life you know if if you're let's let's say you're you're trying to sell fish on the street, right? You got, you got really great fish you're and you're trying to sell it. Fish
0: on the <laughs>
1: <laughs> how many people are going to buy your fish just because they I'm don't, not gonna
0: buy one I'm of not going to buy one of those things at all. I'm not, I'm not buying
1: anything that this guy has, but there are some people who will. There's a percentage, there's a click through rate, the right. CTR. That's a, that's an industry term, CTR. Yeah. And that's how many people actually click through whatever it is that you're selling and go and look at it. Right then the conversion rate is how many people actually buy the thing that you're selling so for right. music the click-through right. rate would be how many people actually go to your Spotify page
0: and then go off to another playlist or they go to your artist page from exactly there. Right. exactly and that's a that's a very low percentage it's, surprising. it's it can be surprisingly demoral- low it could be demoralizing you think it I really made this thing can. I'm trending I'm moving and people love it and they go thanks for the mood you know <laughs> that yes. playlist really felt great for me and you're like Cool. Thanks a lot. There's a lot of folks that have not figured this part out, and it's an unfortunate part of it because we want to be discovered to some extent. But Spotify, for a lot of people uh, as the users of it, is a playlist. It's an experience. The playlist itself is the experience, yes. and it's being sold like moods, the same way that we did on Rhino Records and KTEL Records in the '80s and '90s and things of selling, you know, jazz for a lazy afternoon <laughs> and music to cook by, yeah. and this is for your party <laughs> kind of dance party favorites kinds of things. And what you're doing is you're selling an experience. And it does get to the point that you don't see the same music. Now, if you had to buy that and there's only 12 tracks and I put my money at. then who is that? Maybe I should do it. This almost seems to be more of a relationship when there's only 12 tracks and I had to put my money down. Now we don't have to do that. We're buying the mood. And especially if you start getting into soundscapes or you've got you know, electronic music or you're not a hero, you're not a sound and a voice in an individual way, you get lost really quick where that
1: click-through rate is really hard to get. Yeah. In my experience, it's it's pretty much less than 10%. If you if you are getting a 10% click-through rate, you are doing something insanely well. Yeah, if big I, companies, big companies putting millions and millions of dollars of research and time and effort into this thing are getting 2 to 4%.
0: Yeah, I was going to say if you get 1 to, to 2% follow-through rates on these things, that's what we did in the direct mail business, even that kind of thing, or the spam business. If you get a 1 to 2% conversion rate, you're probably doing well in business and it yes. pisses off the other 98 to 99. Yes. You know, absolutely. especially if you're selling too hard and you have, don't really
1: have a relationship capital. Yeah, you're throwing stinky fish in people's face and they don't want it. <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
1: Keep that guy off my street. But 2% <laughs> yeah, of people right. that are walking by do want the stinky fish, not that you're, <laughs> not that your music is stinky fish, but that's that's just kind of the way that it works. So I actually want to name my next band stinky
0: fish. Now. That's, that's a
1: pretty good name. It's <laughs> a pretty good <laughs> right. name. What I learned was that you if you feed the algorithm, the algorithm will feed you. And what I mean by that is if you are producing content consistently, the algorithms on these platforms, Spotify included, will learn who you are and also mark you as a source. You're a content creator. Right. These platforms need content creators. They cannot exist right. without them. Right. Right. So if well, you're set. consistently producing things, that's why you right. see the SoundCloud rappers that, you know, they, they make a song every week or sometimes maybe even every day, some of these people are just producing stuff that is kind of crap, but they have hundreds of songs on their Spotify profile. That's why, they're just trying to rank with the algorithm. If you throw enough things up there, the chances of you going viral get significantly higher. A lot of artists that I talk to in this town, they they really want to put something, they want to put a lot of energy and a lot of effort into making something that they feel is perfect. I don't think it's just about this town. I think it's the folks that are coming up in any direction in every uh,
0: region that are not there yeah. with a the profession. Really want to make sure that they've made something perfect yeah. and great and they're not willing to risk or fill the gap in between with the relationship and the conversation that they really should be having about who they are and what they're doing. I agree with that, that is connection points. And it's a mistake that happens again and again.
1: I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with taking your time to put yourself out there. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm just not ready. Cool, you're That's not a ready. That's great. thing than saying,
0: I'm going to take so much time with my content that I make one piece.
1: Exactly. Or two.
0: I've gotten three things out in six months if I'm lucky. Okay, well that that algorithm, that company, and so forth, is not seeing you as a priority. If that's the case, that's correct. You're not feeding as a content machine. I, you know, as musicians, a lot of us don't really like this word that we're making content. What we think we're doing is making art. We want to connect with people, making something that's great. This word content can piss a lot of us off. But let's just reframe the culture and the perspective of what content is about. If you see that YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, and as far as that goes, Netflix and HBO, you know. and those kinds of things. If you're a Paramount Plus user in Disney Plus, what do they need to keep their subscribers up? If it was a visual kind of a thing, they need constant content because there's a voracious appetite for the kind of content that people want. If they have a voracious appetite for it and there's so much that's available, if you start at SoundCloud and TikTok and YouTube, how much we could feed the need. If you're not feeding the content of what that needs, they're not paying attention to you in the same way, which affects
1: the ability for your music to be heard. Totally. I completely agree with that. I'll, I'll, I'll contrast with two, with two examples, right? You have the SoundCloud people that are producing so much music all of the time, and then you have somebody like Lil Nas X, who has produced one album, that's it. He, he worked on that for so long, he made it amazing. But the whole time he was doing that album, he was making videos, he was making content. So even though he only produced one piece of art, as you say, right. he was still creating so much content around that art to get ready for it. Right. So there, there's those two different approaches. For, for those, the, the SoundCloud people, their music is their content. They right. don't produce videos around their lifestyle around producing this That's stuff.
0: That's actually a buzzword in our business. The music is your content. The music is your content. Right. right. So
1: it's, it's just it's two different approaches in, in, a, in a spectrum of approaches to making things. When I said, like, if you're not ready, you're not ready, that is so fair. That is so okay. If you're not, not ready, you're not ready. And I don't think if you're saying you're not ready, you're not ready. You would say the same
0: thing live. If you are ready and you're having those kinds of connections, it's not really that much different. You're still connecting with people. And if the audience is responding to you, the community's there. You're not having to manufacture show and feel uncomfortable. It's actually connecting, which one of the things that we have as a gift right now. Mm -hmm. That's a good sign that you are connecting with people and that you have content. And then it's just a a matter of feeding it and being honest with it and keeping them, just like everyone else, engaged on what it is that you offer.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I can actually speak to that. So now, like, I, I make at least one video a day on TikTok and for the most part, it's just still stream of consciousness stuff, but it's I've, I've learned how to package it in a more concise and approachable way. You have to have something in the first three seconds of every video that hooks people's attention so that they can decide whether or not they want to finish your video. That was really fast. It's real fast yeah, and right. the next video is real tempting. Mm-hmm. So I produce shorter videos now than I used to. I produce more one topic videos than I used to. Right, like I'm just saying one thing in this video. Yeah. Uh, one of the most recent ones that I did was saying you can change any aspect of your life at any time. People got real mad in the comments that I said that. They were like, well, how could I bring my dead dad back? I'm like, yeah. okay, wow. well, I, yes, <laughs> yeah. you're right. I, you can't change that aspect of your life. But they, they, they kind of missed the point, which was you can change any aspect of your attitude about your life is what I should have said. Mm-hmm. But that was the whole video, was, was just that. It got over 100,000 views, mm-hmm. right? And what I noticed was a lot of people that commented negatively were actually being confronted by other people from my followers, from my, from my audience that had been following me for a while that were like, no, if you actually have seen this guy's content, you would understand what he's saying. So I saw it like really in, in real time, my, my work building an audience, building a network kind of, kind of blooming
0: and then like a tribe and there's a conversation going right. around with what you said.
1: I saw maybe two dozen people that have been watching my videos since the very beginning in that comment section. And mm-hmm. it was it was really, to me, it was very, really fascinating from like an anthropological right. standpoint. Just like, right. wow, people are showing me what their limitations are. And then other people are commenting and trying to show them that there's another way. Right. In this one seven second video, <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. The point that I'm trying to make there is that These people have have interacted with me since the very beginning of my journey on this platform two years ago and they're still here and they're still watching my videos. A lot of them have clicked through my content to my Spotify page and have listened to my songs. Which is great
0: because you started as a musician but you realized through a full circle part of this how to connect with people and have a conversation with them, be a real person with them, add value to their lives for mental health and music. And then this is coming back to you within music as well, which is where you started. Probably
1: had your own first calling, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It started with this passion and a hobby, and then it became more of a lifestyle. And now that it's become a full lifestyle, uh, it's going back to the passion and back to the hobby. What I am and who I am is being revealed through the videos that I make, and people are saying, "Huh, that's really interesting. I didn't know that you did all that stuff." So what do you have that? Abs- Well. What comes next for me is continuing to iterate on what I've already done and making more meta type content. Um, I know that I really benefited from people telling me about their experience and their journey when I was first starting and so that's what I'm doing now. I'm I'm just telling people how I got to where I am today and where I am today is not like I'm not a huge success on these platforms by any means. I have like 12,000 followers on TikTok, about 2400 on Instagram and my Spotify streams are embarrassingly low because I've not been promoting my music like I should. But the community that I've built is really beautiful. Right. You know, like people have just found their way to me through the For You page, and they're continuing to do that. They share my videos with people that they care about. We all do that. You know, you, share, you see a video, you share it with two or three people. Right. That's now happening to me. Yeah. On, on the right. creation side. Right. It's, it's the most powerful thing that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. Really, for me, it, it's about the connections. The connections are important. Right. You're, you're creating uh, uh, relationships with people on a one-on-one basis. You know, like I said, right. you're, you're having a one-on-one conversation with somebody through their phone in their house. Right. So that, the intimacy of that demands authenticity and demands genuineness. Right. The relationships that you can build through these platforms are really profound and really powerful. And like, like I said, it's, it's, it's the most powerful thing that I'm aware of. And I think for a lot of
0: musicians, they can forget that if they get too much caught on their content, that kind of thing. That right. it's about the relationships and it's about the connections. And there can be a formula or a way of looking at this kind of thing to understand your, your platform, your algorithms and so forth. But it's really still just about making value for people and they connect and they, you've added value for their lives and they find the thing that you have as what you wanted out of that situation well after the fact.
1: Yes, absolutely. That, right. That's been my lived experience is, right. is putting things out there that give people a lot before you ever ask for something in return.
0: That's right. Doesn't that fit most of our lives actually in general? Yes. Yeah, if you're gonna maintain a relationship with most people, shouldn't you be giving more than you expect from them? Otherwise, if you go, hey, I need from you, I need from you, hey, by the way, you on the street, and you, mom and sister, I need from you, I need from you, pretty soon, screw you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Thanks for checking out Music Talk from the North State here at the Bear. I want to thank my guest here, Chris Tavalazzi, uh, for coming out and sharing his experience. Uh, and uh, I hope it adds any value for other people's lives that are coming along and looking at their music as a profession and looking at what they do well, and what they need next, and how do they move from one platform, you know, what maybe a live platform to a digital platform or vice versa and how they're all about relationships and connections with people. And we've had it from multiple angles. So I hope you got anything out of that. If you want to check out some of the links that uh, that I that we have for Chris and seeing some of the things he was talking about, I'll put them in the description of this video. And I appreciate you checking it out. And I'll see you in the next one.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: my pleasure. Bye.